1: Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
0: Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You know, it occurs to me... Just as I'm coming on the air here, there's not a single area of life except debauchery and immorality, where the left promotes liberty. Except debauchery and immorality. Where does the left promote liberty? If you want to destroy yourself, they have no problem with that, drugs and so forth. But it's a constant battle between liberty and tyranny. It's a constant battle, certainly on the big issues, of individualism over centralized government. And yet, in so many ways, they're better able to propagandize and articulate their positions than virtually any Republican in Congress, certainly in the Senate. That's part of the problem, isn't it? I keep going back to this issue that the New York Times raised that uh, that America was founded in slavery, the 1619 Project, because it is a massive propaganda effort which has a devious intent, a diabolical intent. And that is to destroy the connection between modern man, millennials, colleges and universities, but also in public schools, because that's where this is being spread and their country's founding if the people cease to support their own country's founding and the principles upon which it was founded then the country ceases to exist it's a blank slate which is of course what the left wants and so there are many prominent historians who have spoken out about this and you probably have never heard of any of them or many of them you have certainly never heard what they said because they're interviewed, really, on these secondary markets and platforms. And I'm going to start bringing them in on my various platforms so you can hear what they have to say. Because this is, again, a a diabolical, notorious effort by the New York Times, which also led the effort to cover up the Holocaust. This is a very, very bad business, this New York Times, a very bad company. Others are starting to finally figure that out. But its standards are so bad. They've been picked up by other media outlets because of the prominence of the New York Times in the media. Those standards have been picked up by CNN and MSNBC, NBC, ABC, and CBS, the Washington Post. Because the New York Times is their guide star, amazingly. Amazingly, even its recent anti-Semitism and its reporting and its hiring. Really incredible. I see Michael Goodwin has picked up on it, and he's right. He used to work there, but I wrote a whole book on it. Now, let's take a look at this slavery issue. And there's a wonderful piece at Hot Air by John Sexton. Prominent historians criticize the New York Times' 1619 project as biased, anti-historical. But unless you have a really sharp, earnest, studious teacher in these various public high schools pushing back, these kids will never hear the alternative. That is the truth. The New York Times 1619 Project was a sprawling effort earlier this year to convince Americans that slavery was part of the DNA of America. Made up of various pieces by different authors, the 1619 Project seemed to promote an idea that matched current far-left sentiment about the importance of identity with an underlying anti-capitalism. The Times is now promoting the Project for Inclusion in High School Curricula. So it's likely it'll be with us for some time. But where did all this material come from? One site has done some important work looking into the Times project by simply asking top scholars what they thought of it and whether or not they were consulted. In published interviews, three of those scholars have said they were not consulted and that the project seems to be based on much on a biased and a narrow ideology as history. But there's one twist in this story that you probably won't see coming. And I found it on this site too. The site which has done these interviews is the World Socialist website. And I've been on that site. Now they're socialists. But they've actually interviewed these scholars. <clears throat> Take fat for what it's worth. But I think the work speaks for itself in this case. Earlier this month, the site interviewed James McPherson. This guy's a top-notch historian. On his reaction to the Times project, McPherson is a Princeton history professor who specializes in the history of the Civil War, including a Pulitzer Prize-winning history on the topic. Here's a sample of what he had to say about 1619. He's asked, what was your initial reaction to the 1619 project? Well, I didn't know anything about it until I got my Sunday paper with the magazine section entirely devoted to the 1619 Project. Because this is a subject I've long been interested in, I sat down and started to read some of the essays. I'd say that almost from the outset, I was disturbed by what seemed like a very unbalanced, one sided account, which lacked context and perspective on the complexity of slavery, which was clearly, obviously, not an exclusively American institution but existed throughout history. And slavery in the United States was only a small part of a larger world process that unfolded over many centuries. And in the United States too, there was not only slavery, but also an anti-slavery movement. So I thought the account which emphasized American racism, which is obviously a major part of the history, no question about it, but it focused so narrowly on that part of the story that it left most of the history out. So I read a few of the essays and skimmed the rest, but didn't pursue much more about it because it seemed to me that I wasn't learning very much new. And I was a little bit unhappy with the idea that people who did not have a good knowledge on the subject would be influenced by this and would then have a biased or narrow view. Nicola, question. uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones, the lead writer and leader of the 1619 Project, includes a statement in her essay and I would say this is in the thesis of the project that anti-black racism runs in every dna of this country. Yes, I saw that. It does not make very much sense to me. I suppose she's using dna metaphorically. She argues that racism is the central theme of American history. It's certainly part of the history, but again, I think it lacks context, lacks perspective on the entire course of slavery and how slavery began and how slavery in the United States was hardly unique. And racial convictions or anti-other convictions have been central to many societies. But the idea that racism is a permanent condition, well, that's just not true. And it also doesn't account for the countervailing tendencies in American history as well because opposition to slavery and opposition to racism has also been an important theme in American history. Now they interviewed another top historian, James Oakes, distinguished professor of history and graduate school humanities professor at the Graduate Center of the City University of New York. And Oakes has written several award-winning books about slavery and anti-slavery in America, And, of course, he wasn't consulted either. Now, in this interview, Oakes was asked directly about the attempt by one of the 1619 authors to connect slavery to capitalism. Question. Can you discuss some of the recent literature on slavery and capitalism, which argues that chattel slavery was and is the decisive feature of capitalism, especially American capitalism? I'm thinking in particular of the recent books by Sven Beckert, Ed Baptist and Walter Johnson. This seems to inform the contribution to the 1619 Project by Matthew Desmond. Well, collectively, he says, their work has prompted some very strong criticism from scholars in my field. My concern is that by avoiding some of the basic analytical questions, most of the scholars have backed into a neoliberal economic interpretation of slavery. Though I think I'd exempt Zeb Beckert somewhat from that, because I think he's come to this something somewhat different, theoretically. What you really have with this literature is a marriage of neoliberalism and liberal guilt. When you marry those two things, neoliberal politics and liberal guilt, this is what you get. You get the New York Times, you get the literature on slavery and capitalism question, and a point we made in our response to the 1619 Project is that it dovetails also with the major political thrust of the Democratic Party, identity politics. And the claim that is made, and I think it's almost become a commonplace, is that slavery is the uniquely American original sin. Answer. Yes. Original sin, that's one of them. The other is that slavery or racism is built into the DNA of America. Those are really dangerous tropes. They're not only ahistorical, they're actually anti-historical. The function of those tropes is to deny change over time. It goes back to those analogies. They say, look at how terribly black people were treated under slavery. And look at the incarceration rate for black people today. It's the same thing. He said, that's what they say. So according to them, that is the left, nothing changes. There's been no industrialization. There's been no great migration. We're all in the same boat we were back then. And that's what original sin is. It's passed down, you see. Every single generation is born with the same original sin. And the worst thing about it is that he's, he's mocking this. And the worst thing about it is that it leads to political paralysis. It's always been here. There's nothing we can do to get out of it. It's in the DNA. There's nothing you can do. What do you do? Alter your DNA. In other words, he's saying this whole line of argumentation is is so disturbing that this nation can never be viewed as a positive force throughout mankind and the rest of mankind because you see it's in our DNA. Slavery and racism. Just this week, the site published an interview with Gordon Wood, Professor Emeritus at Brown University. Wood is author of a Pulitzer Prize-winning book on the Revolutionary War, and like the others, he was not contacted by the New York Times for the 1619 Project, and doesn't know of any fellow expert historians who were either. Wood tells... The website. I was surprised, as many other people were, by the scope of this thing, especially since it's going to become the basis for high school education. And that's the authority of the New York Times behind it. And yet it is so wrong in so many ways. That's the New York Times. So wrong in so many ways. That's the perfect, perfect byline. Permanent byline under the title of the New York Times. So wrong in so many ways. Now notice. It's the World Socialist website that spoke to these gentlemen. Not Chock Todd at Meet the Depressed. Not George Stephanopoulos at this week with Georgie. Not Meet the Depressed with whoever runs that. Not any of the so called Great Sunday news shows who all sound alike, say the same damn thing, and are all liberal. Not one of them has challenged the New York Times. The New York Times has become a mixture of MSNBC and the National Enquirer. With a heavy dose of American hating and Jew hating. That's what it's become. And I will continue as the lone voice in radio, TV, and elsewhere... ...who has led this effort to expose the New York Times. I will continue to do so. And those of you who have on freedom of the Press... Make absolutely sure you don't skip chapter six. Chapter six is the undoing of the New York Times. It's their grand secret. I'll be right back.
1: Mark Levin.
0: As we celebrate the Christmas and holiday season, we often pause to consider our many blessings. Hillsdale College thanks you for loyalty as it celebrates 175 years of blessings. Now, since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses, or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. Now, this independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core principles, learning character, faith, and freedom without government interference. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. Merry Christmas from Hillsdale College, and to learn more... Visit LevinforHillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. So you have the New York Times, which does not serve the purpose of the public or the republic. The New York Times is, in fact, the enemy of the people. It was the enemy of the Jewish people during the Holocaust. It was the enemy of the Ukrainian people. ...during Stalin's genocidal attacks on the Ukrainian people in 1932-33. It's the enemy of the American people as it seeks to destroy our foundational principles... ...right in the classroom in your high schools. I don't much care what Jake Tapper, Dan Abrams, his various left-wing kook sites... ...I don't much care what Jeffrey Toobin, who's a sleazeball in every respect... Or all the other frauds, think, who pretend to practice journalism in this country. The fact of the matter is the New York Times is the enemy of the people. Not the enemy of the state. Loves the state. That's for big state government all the time. It's the enemy of the people. The 1619 Project is an enemy of this nation. It is intended to weaken the foundational principles of this nation. Right into the classroom. The National Education Association and the American Federation of Teachers, they're the enemy of the people too. We're going to call it like we see it here. The enemy of the people. The president was so right, maybe he shot a little too much shotgun, but I'll use the opposite. I'll be very, very laser targeted. But he was on to something and still is. Fake news, that's on freedom of the press. Pseudo-events, as Borstein wrote about it in 1961. The president calls it fake news. 58 years later, and he's right on. But the New York Times is the enemy of the people, and I would be happy to debate that with any one of these media analysts. Any one of them. Why is it that Brian Stelter on CNN says nothing about the history of the New York Times? Not a word. We got media analysts all over the place citing the New York Times, waving around their headlines. They're anonymous op-ed. They're reporters all over television. Why is it that not once, not once, are they asked about the coverage of the Holocaust? And they'll dismiss it. Oh, that's been talked about. It hasn't been talked about enough. Because that should have shaken that institution right down to the bottom of its foundations. And yet, look at it. Look at it. And now look what it's doing to American history. It's destroying it. It's a fifth column. That's exactly what it is. It's the enemy of the people, the president's right. Certainly not a friend of liberty, or freedom of speech, or freedom of the press. I'll be right back. You hear me talk about Hillsdale College a lot, about its rigorous classical liberal arts curriculum, about its exceptionally bright and patriotic students. 175 years ago, Hillsdale College was founded with a mission defined by four enduring purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. While many institutions have lost their way, Hillsdale College maintains an unwavering commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. I've also talked about the great Dr. Larry Arne, the president of Hillsdale College. He's one of the finest Americans I've ever known. And he explains that these four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, remain inseparable in the activity of education at Hillsdale College. He says, Learning is difficult and takes more than talent. It takes hard work, which requires character. Freedom is essential for learning, but it is fragile and constantly under threat, so its principles must be studied by all for the sake of its defense. At Hillsdale, faith and learning are integrated toward God, because He is the first authority. Folks, if you've ever wondered why I love Hillsdale College, now you know. Visit hillsdale.edu, that's hillsdale.edu, for more information. Hillsdale College. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Remember, that's hillsdale.edu. Hillsdale.edu.
1: Liberty's voice, Mark Levin. Talk with that voice
0: now. 877 381 3811. There is simply no question that the Democrat Party press works with the Democrat Party. And they work with the Democrat Party in order to help them shape their message and promote their narrative. And many of the people in the Democrat Party migrate into the media and vice versa. They'll point to a few examples among Republicans, but there are few. The institution of the so-called free press is now... Yet again, another institution of progressivism. Academia is an institution of progressivism. Hollywood, entertainment is an institution of progressivism. Publishing is an institution of progressivism for the most part. And what they do with these institutions is they keep pushing their agenda. It's very diabolical. So much of it is hidden from the American people. That's the nature of propaganda. There's a piece in the Daily Caller the other day. The headline, Here are the Obama-era operatives and former journalists behind a covert propaganda outfit. Democrat operatives who worked for former President Barack Obama are spearheading websites designed to mimic journalism outfits in an effort to push liberal positions. One of the founders behind the website says media pundits should dispel of the idea of objective reporting and instead should push out liberal talking points that look like journalism. By the way, this is exactly what's taking place. This is what is taught in journalism school. Again, if you read on Freedom of the Press, this is what's taught in journalism school. By the way, as a footnote to my publisher... And to Barnes & Noble. If you expect me to promote Barnes & Noble when my books come out, then I expect you to have my book available for potential customers. I went to the Barnes & Noble in New Jersey, which is near uh, where we celebrate Thanksgiving, right off Route 17. It's so a big Barnes and Noble. They had Howard Stern's book all lined up behind the cash register. I've sold many more books than Howard Stern. They have Michelle Obama's book out front. They have a whole section on the Obamas, as a matter of fact. So I'm there with my brother, and I said, "Where the hell's my book? If people want to get it, where do they go?" Well, we went back to the current events uh, uh, section. There was one copy of On Freedom of the Press on a shelf, and you had to really look for it and dig it out. This is why I promote Amazon, to be perfectly honest with you, because I don't have to rely on managers of bookstores and clerks to take the books out of the box, out of the back room, and put it out for everybody to purchase. This is a reason in some respects I push my podcast in Chicago, Illinois with WLS. If you're stupid enough to run Illinois College Basketball and preempt my show, then why should I promote your station? Just go on the podcast and listen to it yourself. Unbelievable. So there it is, Black Friday. Are we allowed to call it Black Friday, Mr. Producer? We're going to probably have to change that one day to, you know, White Privilege Friday. I don't know. Everything's racialist now. Of course, it has nothing to do with race, but that doesn't matter. Doesn't sound right, right? But anyway, the idea that that book is not available in one of the major Barnes & Noble in this country is Appalling. And still, we've sold a half a million copies on all forms. Because you're not going to be denied facts about this stuff. Now, let's go on. So they're creating these websites, these leftists, these propagandists, who do not believe in liberty, who do not believe in free speech, who do not believe in freedom of the press. The websites they're creating come on the heels of Democratic-led misinformation campaign to troll conservatives during a 2017 special election in Alabama. Now, this is written by Chris White, their tech reporter at The Daily Caller. A small cadre... This is just dirty tricks of the worst sort, and the media have no problem with it. In fact, they participate in it. A small cadre of former journalists and Obama-era operatives is creating a Russian-style propaganda outfit designed to mimic real local news and activate left-leaning voters ahead of the 2020 elections. Tara McGowan, a digital producer for Obama for America in 2011, is raising $25 million from wealthy liberals to create a media company called Courier Newsroom that is designed to deliver information favorable to Democrats. If you go to a site called Mediaite that was founded by Dan Abrams, ABC News analyst, you know, the guy with the fake hair glued to the top of his head. It's the same thing. It's a propaganda site for Democrats. It still pretends to be a media site. But it's everyone knows it's a propaganda site for Democrats. Go look, you'll see. Curry's rolling out newspapers in swing states to counter what McGowan believes is right-wing spin on Facebook and across the digital domain. So right-wingers, quote-unquote, that would be liberty-loving Americans, We control Facebook. Did you know that? Courier Newsroom does not alert alert readers that the publication is actually a liberal project. The project's primary mission is to craft content that can travel quickly throughout the social media ecosphere. According to a Bloomberg Business Report Monday, McGowan launched similar outlets earlier this year for similar purposes, the report notes. So bad has so-called journalism become in this country? That many Americans will believe these left-wing propaganda sites set up by Obama hacks and former journalists with a $25 million bankroll, they're going to really believe it's the media because you can't tell the difference. She put together the Virginia Dogwood, and Arizona's Copper Courier, among others, that are expected to roll out of Michigan, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Wisconsin, all battleground states. The Dogwood publishes articles that appear to be local in an effort to help develop trust among readers in the area. Unbelievable, isn't it? Another alum of former President Barack Obama's campaigns is joining her agenda. David Fluff, this guy's a real POS, who managed Obama's 2008 Presidential campaign. You notice the Obamaoids, which rhymes with hemorrhoids, like Clintonoids. You notice the Obamaoids have their hands in all this stuff. The Marxist left. Everyone's praising. O- Even Obama said he couldn't support Sanders. Even Obama told them to watch their language. Obama never said that he's rejected the hard radical left agenda. Obama's about a narrative covering it up. He's an Alinskyite. Let us remember. He studied Saul Alinsky. Alinsky says you have to pretend you're part of the middle class in order to conquer the middle class. You don't go into the middle class and preach revolution. You go in the middle class and you pretend you're a populist. You go into the middle class and you pretend you want to help them. That's why he doesn't like Bernie Sanders. That's why some are concerned about Elizabeth Warren They agree completely with their agenda. What they reject is the way they're going about it. Because if you're too much out of the closet and you're a red, you'll alert too many Americans, many of whom are suckers to their lies and so forth. So we have that going on. Isn't that amazing? And then we have Bloomberg, a news operation created by Bloomberg. Made him a multi-billionaire, among other things. And what do they say? They're not covering Bloomberg or the Democrats. They're not going to cover Bloomberg or the Democrats. They'll continue to investigate Trump, of course. Now, what kind of news operation is that? Oh, would it take that seriously? Well, here's what it is. It's very much like the rest of the news operations in this country. What do you really know about Buttigieg? Nothing. What do you really know about Cory Booker? Nothing. What do you really know about Kamala Harris that the main media have published? Nothing. Nothing. And you're not going to. You know all about Donald Trump's family members. What do you know about Kamala Harris's family members? I don't know anything. I don't even know how many family members there are, quite frankly. All about Trump's marriage. What do you know about Buttigieg's marriage? Isn't it time that everybody be on an equal level? What do we know about his husband? We don't know anything. Then we could go on. And when I come back, I will. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. As we celebrate the Christmas and holiday season, we often pause to consider our many blessings. Hillsdale College thanks you for loyalty as it celebrates 175 years of blessings. Now, since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses, or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. Now, this independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core principles, learning character, faith, and freedom without government interference. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. Merry Christmas from Hillsdale College, and to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. You see this, uh, this scandal that took place with this report, I believe it was Newsweek, Mr. Producer? She wrote the story about what Donald Trump was doing on Thanksgiving before Thanksgiving. That he was tweeting and playing golf. It just so happens he went to Afghanistan to see our troops. But this is the sick mentality of the media. Now they fired her. But it was the editor who gave her the assignment. And it was the editor who posted it. He suspended. There must be so much poison, cancerous talk, narratives... Going on in these newsrooms, we only see a tiny fraction of a fraction of it. That's all we see when somehow it blurts out or spits out, or if we properly analyze what we're hearing and seeing and reading. It's incredible. Why do I keep talking about this? Why do I write about it? Because, ladies and gentlemen, the Constitution belongs to us. The country belongs to us. The Bill of Rights belongs to us. The Bill of Rights are crucial. After the Constitutional Convention, when they came up with this magnificent Constitution, they sent it to the states for ratification. A number of the states objected. They said, look, you don't have the protection of individual liberties here. There were two schools of thought. One school of thought was really a Madisonian school of thought, which was, we can't list all the rights here. What if we miss one? And then there was Mason, who was concerned that if we don't list them, we'll miss them all. Well, the states decided, (coughs) several of them, We're not going to ratify this thing unless you agree that if we participate in the ratification of this Constitution, you'll circle back in the first Congress and add amendments to this Constitution. And some of them proposed them. They didn't call them amendments, but in their resolutions, adopting the constitutions at the various state conventions, a number of the states mentioned them. And by the way, if you want to see some of them, you can go to Rediscovering Americanism. And they're beautiful and they're brilliant. And all these amendments basically were suggested by the states. And more. They were carefully considered. And then when the first Congress met, as we've talked about before, after the ratification of the Constitution... They were going about their business and they didn't really give a damn about what they had promised the states even then. It was James Madison. Who was a member of the House of Representatives in the first Congress. Who ran against James Monroe. A friend of his and defeated Monroe to become a representative from Virginia. He stood up on the House floor. And he said, "Uh, fellas... We have a little unfinished business here. I know we're busy with other things like, you know, setting up this government and all. But we made a promise. And he recommended that the House sit as a committee of the whole and come up with these amendments. And they turned him down, but they set up a committee. And they put him in charge of it. So they came up with 17. They were sent to the Senate. They whittled it down to 12. They were sent to the states and they adopted 10, which would later become the Bill of Rights. Your rights. Freedom of the press is your right. Freedom of speech is your right. Freedom of religion is your right. The right to bear arms, that's your right. Doesn't belong to the New York Times, doesn't belong to the universities and colleges doesn't belong to the politicians, it belongs to you. You have a right to demand a free press. And only you can hold them to account. By refusing to watch them, read them, or listen to them. Or, conversely, watching them, reading them, and listening to them. Cable's numbers generally are plummeting. Newspapers are going out of business. People are upset about it. I'm not upset about it in the least because there are alternative forms now, alternative platforms. And of course, the old platforms and even the newer platforms that are going out of business, they attack the brand new technologies of platforms that are being developed now. Oh, that's just right wing. They don't have any real editors over there like we do at the New York Times. Or at CNN. We don't have any Jeff zuckers over here. Breitbart, you know. And thank God they don't. And the blaze is really getting good. Really getting good. And there's other sites too. I didn't mean to start listing them. But you know what they are, and you ought to, you ought to continue to, uh, to use them. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think a very, very important story. When we return, we have a, uh, a combining of forces between the George Soros groups. And the Charles Koch groups. Oh yeah. I'll be right back.
1: He's here. He's here.
0: Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811, collusion between Coke and Soros in a minute. But we just learned this from Susan Fericchio over at the Washington Examiner, just just shows you what the Democrats are doing, their Stalinist tactics. You know, this House Intelligence Committee tomorrow is going to vote on impeachment. Everybody already knows the outcome. The whole thing's been bastardized. The committee has failed to do its job when it comes to actual intelligence for national security reasons. This has been pushed by the media from day one. The media is ecstatic. The media, they're celebrating. They hope their ratings will go up. The whole operation is grotesque. From day one, from moment one, targeting this president, targeting his family, targeting his businesses targeting his finances there's a man who who got elected wanting to help his country whether the left agrees with him or not he followed all the rules all the legal rules unlike Obama took in a lot of foreign money, unlike Clinton in his second run for re-election took in all the money from the Riyadi group and others Trump did none of that did the old-fashioned way, and he won. He beat them at their own game. It's amazing that he even won, given what the Democrats and the media were doing to him. And there's never been a peaceful transition of power between Obama and Trump. This is as close to a violent opposition to a transition of power that we've ever had in this country. And the hardcore status progressives have used all the instrumentalities they have now devoured, which is most of them in the republic, to target this man. You know what's fascinating? They haven't come up with a single criminal thing—not one. No, oh, they can make their allegations. They think they're clever. Not one. Not one. And when he dares to defend himself and says enough is enough after having turned over everything to a special counsel, everything, now he's in a cover-up. He's obstructing justice. He's obstructing Congress. The problem is, ladies and gentlemen, is that the House of Representatives under the Democrats is obstructing the Constitution. They are a rogue operation. And again, your media will not tell you that it's even possible for either House of Congress to be a rogue operation, but it is a rogue operation. They hated McCarthy because he went after communists, but they love communists who go after Americans. House Democrats announced a list of four constitutional law experts, don't you know, who will testify at a December four public impeachment hearing. And the panel will include pundits who have criticized Trump administration and defended the impeachment proceedings in the past. It also includes a witness who has criticized the impeachment investigation. The Democrats have summoned Noah Feldman. Noah. Noah Feldman. A Harvard Law School professor. Imagine that. To testify in Wednesday's hearing on the constitutional grounds for impeaching the president. Noah was among the first people to suggest Trump was trying to bribe Ukrainian government officials into investigating his political rival, former Vice President Biden. Democrats have adopted the term, which Feldman, in September said constitutes an impeachable offense. This guy doesn't know his ass from a you-know-what. What makes Trump's alleged conduct so terrible is not that he froze aid to Ukraine for a policy purpose. What makes Trump's alleged conduct outrageous is the appearance that he was doing it for his own personal benefit. Feldman wrote for Bloomberg Opinion. You clown, you and your fellow eggheads, and this entire process is intended to interfere with our election. Feldman has called for a new special counsel to investigate Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani and Attorney General William Barr. Well, he's not a nut, is he? And he also called on Democrats to make the often secretive impeachment proceedings more accessible to the public. Then we have Stanford law professor Pamela Carlin. Oh! Distant relevant? George Carlin? No. A former Obama administration Justice Department official is also a witness Democrats announced today. She's among 42 legal scholars who signed a letter before Trump took office, urging him to change his views on a number of issues and criticizing his rhetoric. Although we sincerely hope that you will take your constitutional oath seriously. So far you have offered little indication that you will, the letter said. We feel a responsibility to challenge you in the court of public opinion. and We hope that those that directly grieved by your administration will challenge you in the courts of law. What other constitutional expert had they brought forward? Michael Gerhard. Gerhard, do you know Weissman? Oh, is a University of North Carolina law professor who wrote in The Atlantic that the impeachment proceedings are fully legitimate. Thank God we have these experts. Experts, don't you know? A fourth witness listed by Democrats, but possibly requested by the GOP, is George Washington University law professor, Jonathan Turley, who's criticized how Democrats have handled the impeachment process. You know, he's a Democrat, and he's a liberal, but like Dershowitz, he's a brave guy. You won't agree with everything he says, I don't. But you won't oppose everything he says either, because he's rational in many respects. And the media are going to gobble it up. My god, we know it's constitutional. How so? Noah says it's constant. Noah who's Noah? Noah Feldman. Don't you know Noah Feldman? I think I went to his bar mitzvah. Maybe I didn't go to maybe I think I was invited to it. I don't know. Noah. Was his name Noreen? Did he transition? I went to a Noreen Feldman bat mitzvah. No, it's Noah. Oh. No, I don't know Noah Feldman. How about Pamela Carlin? Pamela Carlin? No, never heard of Pamela Carlin. You never heard of Pamela? You must be a misogynist. Oh, no, no, I've never heard of Pamela Com. No, she's great. Look, she's among 42 legal scholars who signed a letter trashing Trump. She's got cred. Then Michael Gehatt. Gehatt. Yes, impeachment proceedings are fully legitimate. So these are hacks, liberal democrat hacks dressed up as law professors who will who will provide some fodder. I have no idea why they're testifying other than for propaganda purposes. It doesn't help anyone get to the truth because there is no truth. They'll get their vote in the uh, Soviet Intelligence Committee, then they'll get their vote in the Soviet Judiciary Committee, then they'll get their vote in the Soviet House of Representatives. And then uh, McConnell there, he said, hey, got a bipartisan input here. We got the rules in place. I got a Romney. I got to about Collins and all the rest of them back there. I can't short circuit this process. Gonna have a trial. No, you should dismiss it. Knuckle. Gonna have a trial. So you're gonna give legitimacy to this process. I want to warn the Senate Republicans now: Cory Gardner, Susan Collins. You're going to lose your seats. You're going to lose your. It's like this idiot Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, who won by the skin of his teeth. He won legitimately, but he won by the skin of his teeth. He and his geniuses got together, this think tank. We have to appoint a moderate Republican woman to hold the suburbs. So they pick an extremely wealthy, rhino woman who's sympathetic to Planned Parenthood, is not pro-life, God knows where she stands on most of the issues, to become a United States senator. How many times do we have these losers who play to the press rather than standing up on principle, becoming leaders, These are losers. The left is marching on. The left is talking about turning this country inside out. And we have guys that play the same game, but call it something else. There's no great juggernaut for a rhino, fairly liberal, like, oh, she's a moderate. She's a liberal. Rich, Republican woman, who's weak on the sanctity of life in Georgia or anywhere else. So we may wind up losing that seat because of these jackasses. They do not think conservatism, constitutionalism, liberty, individualism, all the principles stated in the Bill of Rights, they don't think they're appealing. They don't even make the case for it. I know how we'll win. What? We can get these suburban women. How do we get them? Were they liberal, rich, pro-abort, Republican. Gee, we've never tried that before. And we'll do it in Georgia. Excuse me? Brian Kemp. He needed Donald Trump to get him over the edge. And then he has to prove himself, you see, by passing on Doug Collins. That's Doug Collins, who's the ranking Republican on the House Judiciary Committee. His bona fides are obvious. But you see, Brian Kemp doesn't want a competitor one day. That's what's going on. He's the kingmaker in Georgia. He won by 1.8% of the vote. Nobody tells him what to do. Nobody. And so what do they do? They trash the conservatives and conservative groups who are trying to persuade the man not to do what he's going to do. And he goes after Matt Gaetz of Florida. His surrogates do. His little spokes idiot. He's from Florida, what does he know? He said this, so they're trashing the guy. Let me tell you idiots, Brian Kemp and Company, a fact. Your senator's votes impact me as much as my senator's votes impact me. And since the 17th Amendment, it makes a difference. To the whole country, who's in the Senate. I don't think Brian Kemp opposed any outside money coming into his gubernatorial race, did he? No. So stop playing games. You made a decision. You made the decision of a coward playing to the media, playing to the establishment. And they'll chew you up and spit you out too. And you'd think Brian Kemp would understand it. There's Stacey Abrams and all the other clowns on the Democrat side. Keep saying he won illegitimately. He won illegitimate. While conservatives are defending him, and rightly so, on that point. So what does he do? Plays to the media. That's what the rhinos do. They play to the media, the same media that I just spent almost an hour talking about. That have as their purpose the demise of those who stand in their way. They look at a guy like Kemp, they say, we beat the hell out of this guy and he's still a sucker when we come back the coke soros collusion you know i condemn these code pink republicans and i tell you they sound like bernie sanders leftists marxists but guess what they're now combining forces and i'm sure they're media friends populists you know will be all at twitter i'll be right back here we go, folks. This is in the Washington Examiner, Jerry Dunlevy. New Coke Soros foreign policy think tank headed by Iran deal advocates. Now I would encourage all those millionaires and billionaires who feel the need to participate in these coke entities as a way of managing your dis- and distributing your contributions to stop, to do it on your own. Because you're going to be tainted by these people. They're not conservatives, they're not constitutionalists. They're radical libertarians. The father was a radical libertarian. And now they're exposing themselves. They never backed Trump in 2016. They've said they may not back Trump in 2020. They're exactly what I say they are open borders, isolationists, among other things. Empty the prisons. DC's newest foreign policy think tank, funded by libertarian Charles Koch and left wing uh, George Soros, was co founded by a nonprofit leader who was integral to the passage of the controversial Iran nuclear deal. Trita Parsi and the group's other four co founders, Andrew Basevich. Stefan Wertheim, Eli Clifton, and Suzanne DiMaggio are all pro-Iran deal advocates as well as harsh critics of U.S. foreign policy and of Israel. And you'll see Rand Paul will support this. Some of the knuckleheads in the media will support this. They supported the Iran deal. So it's not just that they're isolationists. It's not just that they're appeasers. They go beyond the Neville Chamberlain wing of foreign policy. They're literally funding the enemy. Parisi founded the National Iranian American Council. And an adjunct professor at George Washington, Georgetown University was a... You notice how all these Obama people wound up at these major universities? The conservatives had a Republican administration, almost never. She was a prominent and instrumental go-between for the governments of Iran and the U.S. during the nuclear deal negotiations. So the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran is going to love this group, as will the Russians, the Red Chinese, the, uh, the nutjob over in North Korea. Our enemies are going to love this group. This is the hate America crowd. What, what are we, imperialists? Wait, that's 8,000 miles away. The U.S. entered the controversial nuclear deal with the Iranian regime under the Obama administration in 2015. Of course, our current president withdrew from the deal in 2018. Excuse me, that was 2015. In 2018, calling it defective at its core. The new Quincy Institute. Oh, it's the quincy Institute. That sounds so Quincy. The new Quincy Institute for Responsible Statecraft. See, this is what they do. Rather than the new Neville Chamberlain Institute, where we go beyond appeasement, we surrender and fund the enemy. That's what it should be called. Funded with half a million dollars each from the libertarian and left-wing billionaires, say it's a name of President John Quincy Adams, who said that America goes not abroad in search of monsters to destroy... The new think tank was announced earlier this week in an op-ed which said the new group is one of the most remarkable partnerships in modern American political history. No, it's not. It's the code pink Republican ultra-libertarians and the code pink Marxist left Democrats. I've always told you folks there's an overlap and now you see it. Koch gave millions to right-leaning causes through the Charles Koch Institute, which also advocates a non-interventionist foreign policy. He used to be quiet on that. Not anymore. Soros, a strident critic of U.S. foreign policy, has given billions to left-wing causes around the world through its open society foundations. And he goes on. So here we have billionaires, ladies and gentlemen, joining together the radical libertarians with the radical leftists to undermine America to undermine American foreign policy, to work with their propagandists in the media, to keep advancing the kind of foreign policy promoted by Barack Obama in the Iran deal, just the worst kind of policies that will be an enormous danger to your children and grandchildren. Koch and Soros. Again, I would strongly encourage the wealthy conservatives in the Koch Foundations to cut it out.
1: Love him, the most passionate conservative on radio. Talk with him now at 877 381 3811.
0: You know, choosing a mortgage lender is one of the first steps that you'll take to becoming a homeowner. But there are many lenders out there that you may have trouble finding the right one and the right fit. Well, I've got you covered. Call American Financing. First of all, they're family owned. They employ salary-based mortgage consultants, and they never charge upfront fees. So there's no pressure. There's no pressure on you. There's no pressure on the people who talk to you. And they can get you pre-qualified in as little as 10 minutes. Nobody does that. Now, if you prefer to complete your application online, they've got a digital mortgage option, too. Best of all, they're open nights and weekends to meet your schedule. Look, I said they're family-owned, so they understand. You have a family, you work, so they're trying to accommodate your hours, and they try to tailor-make, customize loans just for you to maximize what are these very, very low interest rates. Maybe you want a low down payment. Who knows? You'll be glad you spoke to these people. So many have been. So many have gotten back to us. I've talked to these folks They're a wonderful sponsor. They're on the up and up. So rather than go through the long list of, well, this mortgage company or this one's recommending this mortgage company, I want you to check out American Financing. Here's their number, 888-900-1828. That's 888-900-1828. Or go online to AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. They got to say those things. It's all lawyered up, but you understand. It's really quite a nice operation there. So this, this outrageous organization, the Quincy Institute for Responsible States, doesn't that sound cool? It's also a lie in my view. Soros helped bankroll pro-Iran deal lobbying efforts. This guy... He is so awful. Soros' organizations donated to the Plowshares Fund, which Obama Farm Policy Advisor Ben Rose credited as part of the echo chamber the administration created in the media to convince Congress and the press to back the deal. Plowshares has also funded Parisi's nonprofit organization. You see how they wash their money through one entity and the other? Zarif, one of the most influential advocates for the Iran deal, has also reportedly spoken about his longtime relationship. Working with some Soros groups. Now this is who Charles Koch has decided to team up with. Because Charles Koch, when it comes to foreign policy, is no different than George Soros. They're one and the same. They're one and the same. At these various events with the Koch brothers, I remember I was invited to one when I talked about liberty and tyranny. They really have come out of the closet since then, I can tell you that. They love Rand Paul. They love Rand Paul. More and more, they love my buddy Mike Lee. These are open borders, guys. These are so-called, as I call them, code pink Republicans, but they're not even Republicans. Co-pink libertarians. Radical libertarians. You know, the way I've explained it to you in the past is Marx's political spectrum. It's not a straight line where the New York Times says, if you support in liberty and constitutionalism and our founding principles, you must be a right winger. How can you be a right winger if you support the founding of the nation? If you support the principles that undergird the founding of the nation, how are you a right winger on the political spectrum? That's how they try to dismiss you. That's their narrative. And if you're a liberal Republican, you're a moderate Republican. And, of course, if you're a crazy-ass Democrat, you're just a liberal. Oh, just a liberal. What's the pro? Oh, it's a liberal. What's the problem? Liberal? It's not how I see the spectrum. I see the spectrum as a circle. The political spectrum as a, as a circle. At the top of the circle, you have fascism and Marxism-communism. That's where they meet. Because even though their philosopher kings are of a different sort, in the end, in the end, when you kill people, you kill people. Now, the case can be made that communism might be worse than fascism, but it depends, doesn't it? There's not a lot who were worse than Hitler. But there's not a lot who were worse than Stalin or Mao, either. I don't play that game. Genocide is genocide. Genocide is genocide. And Marxism... Has a big chunk of fascism and fascism is a big chunk of Marxism, even though they despise each other because they fight over the details. As you move from fascism at the top of the circle down toward the right and move to the bottom of the center of the bottom of the circle, that's what I call constitutional conservatism. Constitutional conservatism. Between fascism and constitutional conservatism, you have your various forms of whatever you want to call it. Rhinoism, moderates, and so forth and so on. Because they accept the big part of the progressive agenda. They, did, they pretend they don't, but they do. When you move from Marxism at the top, down around the left, you have your various forms of isms socialism, whatever you want as you move your way down and then you are relieved of the isms as you come into constitutional conservatism. Constitutional conservatism is really in a short sentence, we could discuss this for a week, but in a short sentence is basically what you read in the Declaration of Independence. That's basically what it is you're reading the Declaration of Independence but you must be a right winger that's why I started off oh they all combine now one of my uh, Life, Liberty and Levin shows after listening to the bureaucrats of the State Department go on and how they were so noble and magnificent and courageous to be testifying against the president in front of a Democrat committee with immunity just unbelievable we never seen anything like this before You know, my grandfather and my great-great-grandfather, they were really, you know, the very public servants. One worked for the post office, one, you know how it goes. So I decided to start my own show that way, on Fox. Talked about some of my family members, and the things they did. Talked a little bit about my education. Not to brag, I don't need to brag. But say, okay, now. Meanwhile, the New York Times was, oh, he's a right-winger. I take my media criticism As a badge of honor, and I love to fight back. Give you another example. There's this clown in Israel called Barak Ravid, if that is his name. All these clowns named Barak, but anyway, Barak Ravid, R-A-V-I-D, and uh, he operates out of Tel Aviv, and he thinks he's a journalist. He's very popular among leftists. Thinks he's a big fish. He's a big kafilter fish. Certainly not here. You never heard of him before. He's also a deceptive individual, unencumbered by fact or principle. He is a hate-on for Benjamin Netanyahu. Is a hate-on for Trump. He writes for Axios. That should tell you all you need to know right there. But in Israel, it's sort of a gadfly. Shows up here and there. Channel 23. They don't have 23 channels, but Channel 23, whatever. And other pathetic entities that claim to be media sources. But the difference is in Israel, there's no Mark Levin. There's no Sean Hannity. In other words, individuals that have the reach that we have. There's no conservative talk radio because the government controls it. One of the things Netanyahu tried to do is to break it up so there'd be more diversity, not just supporting Likud and conservatives, but something that's more competitive. That's one of the charges that's been made against them. It's the strongest one, they say. And of course, there's no Fox News except what comes into Israel from Fox News in America. But there's no domestic type of Fox News channel in Israel. It all goes one way. So a guy like Barak Ravid, limited IQ, limited talent, unknown in the rest of the world, he's a big gefilte fish over there. I'm Barak Ravid. Get out of the way, you idiot. So we look forward to using him as a foil, a continuing foil, much as we've used Jeremy over there at the New York Slimes, Mr. Producer. Or Phil, Phil Bump. Remember Phil Bump? Over the Washington Compost. And, of course, there's always Joe Scarborough. He's a foil for everything and anything that isn't good, right, or pretty. I'll be right back. Mud. Love in. Elizabeth Warren says in a tweet, and I quote from last night, My goal is to get elected, but I plan to be the last American president to be elected by the Electoral College. I want my second term to be elected by direct vote. You see? It's cut five. Go.
2: As a presidential candidate, what are your thoughts on the Electoral College? Uh, I want to get rid of it. So here's my goal. My goal is to get elected and then to be the last American president elected by the Electoral College. I want the second term to be that I got elected by direct vote. I'm ready. Popular vote. Um, I just think this is how a democracy should work. Call me old-fashioned, but I think the person who gets the most votes should win.
0: No, you don't. Or you'd support abolishing the United States Senate. Why should Massachusetts have two, sta- two senators and in California have two senators? The population in California is massive compared to a lot of states, including Massachusetts, including Rhode Island, including Delaware, Nevada, Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, most other states. And what would she do? Use a magic wand? The way she would use a magic wand to have a wealth tax. Wealth tax is unconstitutional. Various forms of taxes the federal government's allowed to lay are listed in the Constitution. That's not one of them. That's why we had to amend it to get the wonderful income tax. You want to abolish the Electoral College? This national vote nonsense is unconstitutional, in my view. You need to amend the Constitution. Well, you'll never be able to do it, because the smaller populated states will never support it. But she doesn't care, so wave a magic wand. And for the four billionth time, we have an electoral college for a reason. So America's metropolitan areas, run by Nadler and Pelosi and Adam Schiff and all the rest, aren't running the country. It's a diverse country. The consumers, the populated areas of the country aren't the only ones that make the country work. You have people who live in rural areas who have nothing in common with people who live in the inner city. And yet they provide us with our food. They provide us with our energy for mobility. There are very few assembly lines built in Manhattan. Very few assembly lines built in Beverly Hills. A lot of the work that's done in this country, the productivity that's done in this country, is not done in the blue metropolitan areas. It's done elsewhere. The framers were geniuses. They understood that it's a diverse nation, diverse populations, people who do different things, diverse geography, and they never would have created a union if they had done what Elizabeth Warren wants. So she wants to create disunity. Basically, the way it works, if you're on the left, the fascistic Marxist left is, remember my political spectrum, If you don't get your way, destroy it. That's it. That's their idea of reform. You don't get your way, destroy it. Following the immigration laws and securing the border, we don't get our way, so destroy it. Destroy it. Capitalism is about freedom and independence and individualism and entrepreneurship, but we can't control that as politicians of the left, so destroy it. Just destroy it. The men and women in blue vote Republican, so destroy them. Sure. They have this belief that criminals are more likely to vote Democrats, uh, for Democrats. So, felonies, so be it. Felonies committed by felons, they should get the right to vote. Bernie Sanders, even if they're in prison, even if they murdered, raped, whatever, they should get the right to vote. Why? Because they're going to vote Democrat. They believe... So that's basically the way their analysis works. There is a consistency to it. It's about power, political power, party power. They favor centralized government unless they don't. That's why we have sanctuary cities. They favor the iron fist of the central government unless they don't. That's why they favor nullification in certain cases. The ends justify the means. They were right exactly what you see here Lenin and the rest of them in their heads their progeny the so called progressives in their heads do I owe you something Mr. Producer? I think I do you know uh, that's not what I have here uh oh I'm looking there we are you know, the Chamonix Christmas and the holiday sale is officially here. Stock up on the best skin care that money can buy during Chamonix's best promotion of the year. Imagine the turkey neck and double chin gone with the famous Genesel breakthrough jawline treatment with MDL technology. And during Chamonix's 25 days of Christmas celebration, get the classic Genif- Geniflector eye bags and puffiness absolutely free. Plus, Genesel's immediate effects for results in 12 hours. Look 10, 15, even 20 years younger right before your eyes. Guaranteed or 100% of your money back. But you will put in your order today. And if you do, even more special. Because Chaminade has partnered with Women Rising to give the same exact package you get to other women out there who can use it. Call 800Skin604 or go to Genicel.com, Genicel.com. Your order today includes Genicel XV anti wrinkle treatment and will be upgraded to priority shipping for free. Make this holiday season extra, extra important with Chaminade. Order now, 800Skin604, 800Skin604, or Genicel.com, Genicel.com. All right, Mr. Producer, do we have an irregular American or a regular American? Regular. Go right ahead. XM Satellite, Amy in Colorado, you have one minute. Go. Hi, Mark. Thanks for taking my call.
3: Um, I just wanted to mention on Freedom of the Press to you, I read it and thought it was wonderful. Um, my mom is always asking me where I get my news from because I'm pretty good Well, you better go
0: to Amazon news. if you want any more copies because they sure as hell weren't in Barnes & Noble. Anyway, go right ahead.
3: Yeah, I told her Mark Levin, of course. Um, and she came for Thanksgiving, and she was complaining about the press and how they manipulate and how they're unfair. So I gave her my copy to read. So
0: she's Aren't you kind? Right now, All right, got to go just for this. We'll be back for a whole full hour, but don't hang up. We'll replace it with a signed copy. We'll be right back. Question America. Why do you believe, let alone listen to, any person on television or radio or who writes who clearly lied to you about Russia collusion in the Trump campaign? Either by affirmative lies or by omission. These people are back, they're fire breathing. They're on cable TV, they're on network TV, they're on the internet, they're back. It's the same people who discredited themselves, who beclowned themselves, and yet we treat them like they're newsreaders, like Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd should be, you know, in some, uh, I don't know, in like the former stupid journalism uh, teaching uh, profession. Do they get worse than Chuck Todd? There are many, many who are bad. But I guess what really is insulting is that seat used to be filled by Lawrence Spivak, who created Meet the Press, and Tim Russert, and now Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd. You know, it's 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 like the team that used to play the the uh, Harlem Globetrotters, the Washington Generals. Chuck Todd is the is the main player in the Washington Generals. And then you look at the night shows, the late night shows. My wife and I, Julie, we were watching some of the reruns of the late night shows with Johnny Carson. He was terrific. What a pro! He was hilarious, and he was non-political. Look at the, the, the clowns, and I don't mean that in a positive way. Look at the clowns who've replaced him and others on late night comedy. I don't even watch late night comedy anymore. Do you, Rich? I used to watch it all the time. Jay Leno was pretty good, I thought. He played it down the middle. Then Letterman kind of lost his mind. He became like the stranded guy on the island with the beard and all the other weirdo stuff going on with him. But anyway, and look at the crop of them now. They so suck. It's not even funny. Really. Got a lot to get to, but this is a hard one to ignore. This has been out there. Hat tip to Twitter. I know it's been played all day, but it's funny. Joe Biden, June 26, 2017. This guy has not a loose screw. He has multiple loose screws. Cut one. And by the way, you know,
3: I sit on the stand and it get hot. I got a lot of, I got hairy legs that turn, that, 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 that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down. So it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again they look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap. And I've loved kids jumping on my lap.
0: That man was vice president once. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? And the people in Delaware, the Democrats, thought he was so good, they elected him six times. The longest-serving Democrat, longest-serving senator, I think, in the history of Delaware. So appealing was, Joe. Then we have Bloomberg. Cut to go.
4: Say, well, taxes are regressive. But in this case, yes, they are. That's the good thing about them. Because the problem is in people that don't have a lot of money. And so higher taxes should have a bigger impact on their behavior and how they deal with themselves. So I listen to people saying, oh, we don't want to tax the poor. Well, we want the poor to live longer so that they can get an education and enjoy life. And that's what, why you do want to do exactly what a lot of people say you don't want to do. The question is, do you want to pander to those people or do you want to get them to live longer? And there's just no question. If you raise taxes on full sugary drinks, for example, they will drink less. And there's just no question that full sugar drinks are one of the major contributors to obesity. And obesity is one of the major contributors to heart disease and cancer and a variety of other things. Mm.
0: This is like an idiot uncle. Do you want this idiot uncle as president of the United States? I look at a guy like this and I say, gosh, you're worth what, seven, six, eight, nine billion dollars? You must have really fell into it, man. You must have really fell into it. It's incredible. Don't forget it wasn't that long ago when he was praising Xi, the dictator in China, and then there's Democrats out there. This is our savior. This is our savior. Well, that's their savior. Probably scary, don't you think? wanted to tell you about this. I meant to tell you this when I was talking briefly about Israel. So they have this attorney general in Israel. His name is Mandelblit. In his past, he's run into his own problems. But he is loved by the media. Oh my goodness. So he did something that's never been done in the short history of the state of Israel. He's indicted a sitting prime minister. Indicted a sitting prime minister. The full indictment. It's created all kinds of havoc. Five weeks before the first election, or re-election, that came up with Netanyahu and Gantz, He announced he was indicting the Prime Minister to influence the outcome. And this Mandelbelt was originally appointed by Netanyahu. But he's obviously a prisoner of the bureaucrats there, and the police department there, which is nothing like our police department, so the cops in our country shouldn't even give it a second thought. They're just not. And now he's going to prosecute the Prime Minister... And you know how many witnesses he wants to call, Mr. Producer? 333 witnesses. 333 witnesses. Virtually anybody and everybody the Prime Minister has known in his government, outside his government, politically, business people. Now, anybody who may have thought stupidly that this was a legitimate prosecution, they now know the purpose of this Attorney General is to destroy Netanyahu. But he's doing more than that. It's like the people who try to destroy Trump. He's destroying their government. If a prosecutor can indict a sitting Prime Minister and call 333 witnesses... His purpose isn't to seek justice or the truth. His purpose is to make it impossible for a sitting prime minister to govern. It's to overwhelm him, to try and paralyze him, to try and burden him. It's to make it almost impossible to consult with people in and out of government. Or to do anything at a policy level knowing that a Soviet-style prosecutor who has no compunction about what he's doing to his country, to the government there, to the people, can exercise this kind of power. 333 witnesses, former Massad director, ambassador to the U.S., Edelman, goes on and on and on. I mean, the question isn't who's on the list, the question who's not on the list. Now, the Knesset can save this situation. It's badly divided. They can step in and give immunity to the Prime Minister and say, hey, look, this is like your fifth bridge too far, Mandelbaum. We can't have this going on while he's Prime Minister of the country. And this is why... I was persuaded to the view years ago and dug up those memos from the Department of Justice Office of Legal Counsel saying you can't indict a sitting president. This is why I agree with that. Because while you will have this individual like Mandelblit, he's sort of the Andrew Weissman of Israel. We're going to hold him. He's not above the law. What he's doing is taking down his own system of government. And, of course, all the Netanyahu opponents in the press, which is most of the press, and in the Knesset, and, of course, the opposition parties, they think this is all swell. But it's not all swell, because it's a precedent that is created for them. It's a precedent that is created for them. You know, one of the counts, they call it Count 4,000, without making it too complicated. I've, I've actually studied all this now to some length, great length. People say, why isn't there more diversity in the press? That is exactly what Netanyahu was trying to do. He wanted more diversity in the press. And as the Prime Minister, and temporarily as the head of communications for his country. And he was indicted for it. Indicted for it. He wanted more positive press. Is there a politician on the face of the earth in any country who doesn't want more positive press? It's not a crime. And he wanted to to create more competition of viewpoints. So they charged him. They concocted a crime out of it. And they charge him in a way, and I've made this point to you before, that every single politician in Israel can be charged. Every member of the Knesset, or anybody who runs for office there. You give us a scoop and we'll give you positive press. You give us a scoop and we'll pass a law. Excuse me. We'll pass a law to protect the press. If you give me positive press. This is done in America all the time. State, local, federal. It's also been done in Israel. A zillion times. But they charged them. And civil libertarians all over the world. Including in our country. Are scratching their heads. Arthur Ferguson. Somebody I've known a long time. Former prosecutor. Federal prosecutor. Nat Lewin. One of the great litigators. Can't believe it. Alan Dershowitz can't believe it. I can't believe it. And we're not alone. Ladies and gentlemen, the left, which has captured this Mandelbilt, whether it's in Israel, the United States, Britain, France, wherever it is, it is a vicious force. They will burn down their country in order to win an election. They will burn down their institutions in order to win an election. Elizabeth Warren.
3: I hope to be the last. President elected by the electoral college.
0: Lee. I'll be right back. Much love in. I made Chuck Todd famous here on the Mark Levin Show. I'll meet the depressed. Now, I'm hoping you all took my advice. I only give this advice to family and friends and don't watch these Sunday news shows because they're not about news. They're basically Democrats berating Republicans. And Chuck Todd is a Democrat. His wife's a Democrat, hack. He should never be in the position... ...of running a show like Meet the Press. It's more like Meet the Liberal Dummies. That's why I call it Meet the Depressed... ...and Deface the Nation... ...and uh, this week without David Brinkley or whatever. Oh, Trump used Meet the Depressed on Twitter today. Well, there you go. Lots of people pick up my lines. Other hosts, presidents, whatever... Uh, here is Chuck Todd on "Meet the Depressed" again. Cut eight. Go. But the
3: fact that Russia was so aggressive does not exclude the fact that President Poroshenko yeah. uh, actively worked for Secretary Clinton. Now, if I'm wrong, and if
2: all the
0: Secretary- Oh boy, I mean- his little head's going to blow up with his third-grade haircut. Excuse me. You can accuse Trump of working with Vladimir Putin. You can accuse Trump of working with the Ukrainians. You can accuse Trump of being Hitler and Stalin and Mussolini. You can accuse Trump of, don't you ever, ever, not here on Meet the Press. We have our standards. Don't you ever accuse Hillary Clinton of working with the Ukrainians. Now, by the way, by the way, I told you about the woman. Who did work with Hillary Clinton's campaign, the DNC, State Department, and the Obama? Chalupa. It's not a dessert at Costco. Chalupa. Did exactly that, but Chuck Todd's too busy, you know, hawking climate change. all he's, 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 he's worldly. Chuck is worldly. He's not going to get into that. No, no, he's still hawking on, on the Russia collusion with Trump. Go ahead.
2: Wait a minute, Senator Kennedy, you now have the president of Ukraine saying he actively works First of for all,
0: why do you sound like you're a 13-year-old girl? Settle down, boy. Why, why, do, you, why do you sound like you're, you're, you're out of your mind? Why do you sound like pre Brian Stelter? Wait, 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 Senator Kennedy Senator, Senator, or the... Uh, or that sort of hybrid on the fly. Remember that? No! Remember that movie, Mr. Producer? That's a gross movie, by the way. Anyway, go ahead.
2: Nominee for president. I mean, now, come on. I mean, I got to put up. You realize the only other person selling this argument outside the United States is this man, Vladimir Putin. This is what he said on November 20th. Slow 20- down
0: there, Chucky. He's not the only other man. Why don't you have Chalupa on your show, dummy? I mean, uh, Chucky. Or any of these other people. I hear we did another climate change show. Is that correct? I don't know. Anyway, go ahead.
2: God, Nobody is accusing us anymore of interfering in U.S. elections. Now they're accusing Ukraine. Well, let them sort this out. Okay, that's
0: not what's happening, Chuck. Slow down. Slow down. Two countries can interfere in our election. At least four, I think five, tried to interfere in our election. The Russians, the Ukrainians, the Chinese... The Iranians and the North Koreans. Chuck, I'm afraid what will happen to your voice if you hear what I'm saying? You'll sound like Tiny Tim by the time this is over. Many countries are interfering with our election. The question is who's working with them? Trump had nothing to do with the Russians interfering in our election. Obama did nothing to stop them. Chuck, are you paying attention? I'm paying attention. Ukraine did interfere in our election. Hillary Clinton, the DNC, and the State Department, the Obama administration encouraged it. Chuck, Chuck, I know this is upsetting. I know this is upsetting. Maybe you should take a sabbatical. Maybe you and your wife should go, you know, to San Francisco and enjoy and enjoy the, the fruits of liberalism, like whatever.
1: Levin, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877-381-3811.
0: We got to hear more Joe Biden there, Mr. Producer. Let's hear that again.
3: And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand and it get hot. I got a lot of, I got hairy legs that turn, that, 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 that turn.
0: uh, At least he has uh, hair um, somewhere. I might, I might say that. But this is really strange, ladies and gentlemen. We'll, we'll continue. But you know damn well, if anybody else talked like this, certainly on the Republican side, they'd be doomed. This isn't the first time Joe Biden has sounded bizarre, but now he sounds like a pervert. He sounds like a pervert. As a matter of fact, Mr. Producer, start at the top. Go ahead.
3: And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand and it get hot. I got a lot of, I got hairy legs. That turn that 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 turn uh, um, blonde in the sun, Oy. and the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down, so it was straight. Oof. And then watch the hair come back up again. They'd look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap, and I've loved kids jumping on my lap.
0: I hope he didn't play Santa at the mall, Mr. Producer. Kids rubbing my legs, pushing their hair back down, and... I love kids sitting on my lap. He has a way of saying things, doesn't he? Like a really dumb guy with a low IQ. Now, let me play liberal here. Do you want this guy near the red button? Do you want this guy negotiating with anybody? See, I've been pretty nice to... to slow Joe, because... I kind of want him to be the nominee. But now I'm thinking this Elizabeth
3: Elizabeth Warren, she would be great!
0: That's my Elizabeth Warren uh, imitation. That uh, Trump could mop the floor with her, I think. Same with Buttigieg. Oh, he's a grave threat, Buttigieg. No, he's not. We've got more information on these four professors, uh, three of them anyway. Uh, Feldman is respected for the nuances, writes, uh, let's see, where is this? Our buddy Pollock at, uh, Breitbart, of his constitutional insight, he worked on the drafting of a new Iraqi constitution in the wake of the toppling of Saddam Hussein. Yet he was taken in by the Russia collusion conspiracy theory, claiming in September 2017 that more and more evidence of collusion between Donald Trump's presidential campaign and Russia has come to light. Of course, there was none. He also argued that Trump could be impeached because of conflicts of interest and in foreign emoluments. In other words, he wants to get rid of Trump. Carlin said in 2017, the other one, if the Trump-fired FBI Director Comey that Trump has been behaving extraordinarily badly, could spur a constitutional crisis if Congress didn't hold him in check. Galhart! testified during the impeachment of President Clinton. In retrospect, he wrote, members of Congress are unlikely to pursue similar charges against the president ever again. Depends. If a president's having sex with an intern, they might. And then lies under oath repeatedly, not just to a grand jury, but in front of a federal judge. And then encourages others to lie. Wow, Trump never did that. I love the new meme now that's out there. Yeah, it's worse than Watergate, you know. Wait a minute, nothing's worse than Watergate. No, no, know. you know, it's worse than Watergate. Right what did the idiot Klobuchar say? <laughs> it's sort of an international global Watergate. Aren't you done screaming at your staff? Remember her? Remember all the stories that have gone away now? Klobuchar screaming at the top of her lungs at her staff. Now you got stuff coming out on Kamala Harris. So obnoxious is she apparently to her staff that one of the senior people wrote a letter and then distributed to the media, apparently, that she's the worst of the worst. So we're looking at the worst of the worst. Bernie Sanders has this problem too. Get out of my way. I want that donut. The problem with Joe Biden is he doesn't even know who his staff is. You know, I remember telling you that story about my hairy legs and how they would turn blonde in the sun. And uh, the little kids would come up to me. They'd push it down in the water. they 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 like to push it down and then watch it pop up. (laughs) Ooh, baby. (coughs) And then... uh, (laughs) It's sick. I like little kids sitting in my lap. (laughs) And then you hear his supporters... You know, he's a a common man, the way he relates to the people. There's nobody like Joe. Joe is just, you know, he relates to the blue collar. The guy never wore a blue collar in his life. Came out of law school and ran for office. But he was born in Scranton. Oh, okay. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. There we are. What's the topic, Mr. Producer? You know, once, that's how often this happens, seriously. Once per year, today, this Cyber Monday evening, that's it, a few hours, you can take advantage of dramatically reduced prices on all models of X-chair. Save up to $300 on the world's most comfortable office chair, that's a lot, but only this evening, Cyber Monday evening. I've been telling you for years about how much I love my X-chair. It's been a game changer in terms of my comfort and productivity. So if you've been thinking about it or saying, I know I'd love to see if that X chair is as good as Mark says it is, well, then don't miss this Cyber Monday once a year chance to say big on this amazing chair. You only have a few hours left, in fact. So trust me, you'll kick yourself if you miss out on this Cyber Monday evening sale. Go to Xchairlevin.com, Xchairlevin.com, order the X chair that fits your needs and your budget. No matter what version you choose, you're going to be getting the best price of the entire year. Folks, it runs out in a few years, a few years, a few hours. I'm not kidding. Again, that's the letter X Chair Levin. L-E-V-I-N dot X Should I go to a call, Mr. Producer? I think I will. Let's see. Who do we have here? Uh, let us uh, speak to uh, Aaron. Westchester, New York, the great W.A.B.C. Go. Hey, Mark. I'm a longtime listener. Uh, Second time I've had the honor of
2: speaking with you. Uh, You're a great American. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you. Um, I've got two things that I'd like to say, and I'll try to make it quick. The first is that... uh, You know, as Mo of the Three
0: Stooges used to say, take your time, but hurry up. Go right ahead.
2: (laughs) I will. Um, So uh, in an earlier segment, you mentioned um, that it's not really a political spectrum, but it's more of a circle. And that's something I've been saying for years, and I think um, a few. Wait a minute! Ago, and I must I have read... gotten
0: that from you. No, I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> yeah, no way. <laughs> I was. Re- I think when I read Rediscovering Americanism, that kind of solidified it because right, um, tyranny is tyranny, right? It, it doesn't mm. matter what quote side of the spectrum you're coming from. When, when you're taking away rights, you're taking away rights, and so it- it's all kind of the same thing. And you, you hear like this- these Antifa crowd and the liberal; they-, they all kind of sound the same. Um, so so that's my first point. Um, so I, I just got a good point when you said that, um, the second one is, uh, I recently read, uh, Ayn Rand's Fountainhead and, Mm. uh, immediately after read, uh, Unfreedom of the Press. Um, and both were actually, uh, incredible stories and, uh, tales to read one, obviously fiction and yours not. Um, but what, what I found striking is that, um, the liberals of the 1920s that Ayn Rand wrote about and the liberals that you write about today, they, they, they sound the same. Like, it was basically the same story. They, they say the same unintelligible things um, about, uh, you know, rights for all and, you know, mm-hmm. free this, free that. And uh, it's, it was just a, an interesting uh, juxtaposition to see both those books uh, together.
0: Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Being compared that way, that that's a big deal. Thank you. I figure, ladies and gentlemen, with my colleagues, some of whom are comrades, I guess, won't be till I'm long dead and gone. Till their children and grandchildren recognize the value of some of these books. Which is a little frustrating because they're really written to deal with events that take place today to put them in a historic and philosophical perspective. That's the purpose of all these books. Even on Freedom of the Press, I could have left out the history chapters in the book. No way, you know me. There needs to be some kind of context, some kind of mooring to what I write. There are people who try to write the next great philosophical treatise. Let me tell you a little secret. Every single new idea is built on a previous idea in some way or to some extent. Whether it's book writing, it's not intentional, it just is what it is. Whether it's science, some kind of discovery, and why shouldn't it be? But we even have pretenders today who write books and they put them out and they say, my god, nobody's ever written about this. No, I'm sure somebody has, or they've put it in a different context and so forth. I don't pretend to be Aristotle. I'm me. And what I do is try to pull the arguments, husband, the history, experience, philosophy, what we know about humanity, and pull it together and apply it to current events to try and save this republic and what's left of it. I'll be right back.
1: Levin.
0: But Nadler's going to have these professors. Now, who does he think he's going to impress? Is he going to impress you? Is he going to impress the people down the street? Well, we have the professor. Professor Artemis uh, Benjamin uh, Goldstein here from Harvard University. Artemis Benjamin Goldstein. He thinks impeachment is, is fine. And I'm a steel worker in western Pennsylvania. And I'm impressed, right? No, I don't think so. I don't think I am at all. And then we have a, a farmer in Iowa. Professor what? Who? Where? What? Now, I don't think they're going to impress anybody. In fact, I think it'll be ridiculous. But what is this aimed at? The media, of course. Because what they're going to say is, these professors have said this is very, the impeachment is constitutional. Whoa, well, that, that settles that. Oh, these left-wing kook, tenured professors, among those sending out lawyers who are destroying our country, they say you can impeach Trump. Here's my question to each of them. Did any of you vote for him? No. All you voted for Hillary or, or that woman Stein, right? Uh, yes. Why are you here, Professor? Why do we care what you have to say? There's a whole lot of professors out there. What makes you special? That's what I would ask. Professor Noah Feldman is one of them, Noah. Tell me, Noah, why are you here, Noah? Well, I'm here because you know I'm an I'm an expert on I'm a, no no you're not. What makes you an expert? Because you teach it. Is that what the Constitution says? Bring in the experts? No. Doesn't say bring in the experts at all. You should ask them about due process, you Republicans up there. Tummy. Well, that's the thing, and here's another answer that's not required under the Constitution. You know. it's, not, it's not required. And then you're going to know you have these, these idiots because the reason why past House of Representatives have followed a due process of some form isn't because it's in the constitution it's because it's in the american mindset it's called western civilization justice the civil society oh my lord i wish i were really in this game you know what i mean mr beducer like at the hearing somehow some way i could i could question these people you know, AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is the fastest-growing 50-plus organization in America, thanks to you. Now, over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. I've been a longtime member of AMAC. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington. AMAC pushes back against reckless spending. Disasters like Medicare for All and the expanding reach of the federal government. The collective voice of AMAC's members is brought to local congressional districts by hundreds of AMAC delegates. And as a member, you can personally get involved by finding one of the many nationwide AMAC chapters. Beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts. Really, really good. And I'm not kidding, I use them. Including car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you look get AMAC's bi monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter most to we conservatives. I'm am an AMAC member for a long time, and I'm telling you, you should be too. Join today at AMAC.us. That's A M A C.us. Stop supporting liberal agendas with other 50 plus organizations like <coughs> the AARP. Join AMAC, folks. A M A C dot U S. A M A C dot U S. Mr. Beducer, to whom shall I speak? Yes. K E Y S. Sonya in Texas. How are you? I'm well. Or is thanks. it Sonya? Yes. I, uh, Go right ahead. I uh. I'm sorry. Your you. name is Scott, not Sonya. It's Scott. Yes, sir. All right, uh, you I can blame Mister Producer. What?
2: I listened to Joe Biden. I think of that uh, list of mumblers that you have, and I wish you could play it.
0: Where is our list of mumblers? Can we find that in time, Richie? <laughs> yes, uh, he. he and I think he might be one of them. You're right. <laughs> we should. We we have a collection of mumblers. I should pull them out more often.
1: What are they? Can you get find anything, The ghost track?
0: The, uh, the
1: heaven. I. <clears throat> it costs when if you. They just
0: gave you gave them with the the withdraw bringing us home troops from home
4: and 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 the the
0: the you
1: know you know, uh, you, know, uh, <laughs> you, you 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 need somebody wait so uh,
3: what finally wh- and uh um i oh, i I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. of
4: of of un of,
3: um, uh, of uh, uh, about ba- uh, budget
1: but resist we much we must and we will much about that be committed i i i i i'm i'm a warrior <laughs> um you know the the that it was the, the, i mean they, 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 they said that look the 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 yeah lies of strip was it him what? I, I i i i didn't if we if we you know it it uh you know, it, 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 it.
2: We can walk and chew
0: dung gum, at- <laughs> Nancy. Nancy, we got to dig up more of her, boys. We can walk and chew dung at the same time. Well, she can. <laughs> she proves that all the time, Scott.
3: Oh my God, it's a we started place. collecting
0: them. I'd say 15 years ago, didn't we, Rich? A long time ago. Oh, the first guy was an Amtrak guy. And I said, "Grab that!" So we collect that like coins and stamps, you know. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's beautiful. Well, we got to get more Biden, don't we? All right, my friend, thank you. And Mr. Producer, can we end on Joe Biden, please? Go.
3: And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand, and it get hot. I got a lot of I got hairy legs that turn that 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 turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg
0: Ladies and gentlemen, my my advice is if you're going to a Joe Biden rally, keep the kids at home. That's my advice. Stay no closer than 10 feet from the man with your wives or your, your girlfriends. Something going on here. We salute all you heroes out there. It's good to be back. I hope you had a great holiday. And I'll see you right here tomorrow. Thank you.